Welcome to Blood and Spirit, the podcast for Black families evolving. I'm your host, Njay Malay Ali, and in season two of Blood and Spirit, we're going deeper into specific dynamics of Black family life. My guests will bring perspectives, experiences, and insights on issues of ritual and tradition, communications, marriage, and more. Today, I'm speaking with four members of the Sawiga Council on Aging, who will be sharing their ideas about the aging process and staying in communication with our families and communities. Five days a week, the Council on Aging Center on Society is abuzz with all kinds of activities, aerobics, tai chi, drumming, the wellness room, just so much. I want to thank Ms. Deborah Flood, the director of the congregant program at the center, for coordinating this opportunity with the support of the center director, Ms. Izzy Sadler. Welcome to Blood and Spirit Podcast. I have here Ms. Kamalina Jones. Okay. Ms. Peggy Knight. Yes. Ms. Mary Williams, Mary Ann Williams. Hello. How are you doing? And Ms. Mary Lee. Hi. Thank you. Thank you all so much for coming. Uh, and in the tradition of Blood and Spirit Podcast, I want to ask everybody um, what your favorite non-alcoholic drink is. Mine is orange juice. And um, say your name for me when you do. And uh, while we're doing this part of my intro, let's also tell a little bit about yourself, where you're from, how long you've been in Albany, and kind of like what your family structure is. Are you married with children, et cetera? Yes, my name is Comalina Jones. I am 63 years old. I enjoy being around older people, and I also enjoy being around young people. I love helping anybody that I can help out. Um, I was born in South Carolina, Maysville, South Carolina. My family moved to Florida, Fort Pierce, when I was about three years old. So I went to school there in Fort Pierce. I have three children I have uh, I adopted one son. He was three weeks old when I adopted him. And uh, so they gave me, God blessed me with three children and plus the one that I adopted. Uh, got married, and my husband passed away in 2001 when I, so then I moved to Fort Worth, Texas. I've been there for 16 years. Uh, uh, between with my children, I have 10 grandchildren, and I have 13 great-grandchildren. Wow. Um, I enjoy being around them. And since I moved here in Albany, I've been here now for about nine months. I uh, came here to help take care of my mother, which I enjoyed doing that because I worked in nursing field since 79. Um, through the years going to school when I was coming up, I always felt that I wanted to be either a teacher or a nurse. And I used to go to the nursing home and used to ask them, can I volunteer to help out and do some work there? But they didn't allow me to do it during that time. Only thing they said I can do is help pass out water or something like that. But I used to go and sit down and talk to some of the elderly people, just listen to some of the things that they told me what they went through. Um, and I just enjoy that and just listen to them. A lot of wisdom came out of that. And I applied to some of it. And right now today, I remember some of the things that some the women have told me and some of the men have told me. And through that, then I started working at the hospital next door. I don't want to lose sight of what you said your, your favorite drink is. So what was that again? Orange juice. How did that happen? I don't know. I just love orange juice. Okay. Orange juice and water. That's my favorite. That's great. That's great. What about you, Ms. Peggy? Hi, my name is Peggy Clyde. I'm married to LaRon Knight. We've been married 20 years. And I enjoy the elderly. I retired from Inspired Health and Behavior for 24 years as a CNA, and I have four kids, three sons and one daughter, and 12 grandkids and one great-grandbaby. And my husband had a stroke of couple of years ago, so we still together. We still God taking us one day at a time, and I just enjoy the elderly. I don't do young people very well. 
And what about and that favorite drink? It's a Coke. <laughs> a Coke. Coke. Uh, you, that sounds like something that's been going on for a long time. Long time. I'm trying to break off of it, but it's still there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Hi, my name is Mira Ann Williams. Not married, no children, biological, but God put me in the path of children. And I helped raise my nieces and nephews. And I thank God that I come from America. At the age of 10, I was born there, but I was raised in Doherty County with my sister. I sit around more elder peoples because I felt like I could learn more from them. And at the age now, 64, I remember what those elder people told me. And I still sit with elders peoples and listen to them. I deal with some kids, but me and kids don't get along too well because I don't like disobedient kids. So I deal with the elders people, and I learn a lot. And I try to pass along to some of the kids that will listen what the elders has taught me. And my life is just wonderful. I worked for the Daugherty County School System for 25 years as a custodian. I done retired. So now I go to Sariga, and I enjoy sitting with the eldest peoples, older than me, and still learning and passing along. So I just enjoy life. My favorite drink now is water. I might do a Sprite every now and then, but the main one I want is water. That's all I love. Thank you. And so we have two two Miss Marys today, uh, Mary Ann Williams. That was Miss Mary Ann Williams, and now it's Miss Mary Lee. Hello, my name is Mary Lee. I am 75 years old. I am from Terra County, Sasser, Georgia. That's where I was born. I was born to a teenage mother. My mother was 16 when I was born. So basically, my grandmother raised us. My sister, I have one sister, and I had three brothers. One brother passed away in 09. Uh, we, uh, I consider a very close family. My brother that passed away had lots of medical problems. Um, like I said, my grandmom raised us, and I really love being around, I should say, people my age, I guess I should say, because I was raised by my grandmother. We did live on a farm in Terra County, but we, were, we had to go to school. Although we were on the farm, we had to work on the farm, but my grandmother made sure that we got our education. I am the oldest of my brothers and sister. Uh, I did go to nursing school. I'm a licensed practical nurse. I worked at Phoebe for 38 years. I am now retired. And my favorite drink is, once upon a time, it used to be Pepsi. But I got away from that. Now I drink mostly water with the little flavor packets, and I like lemonade. Wonderful. We got uh, a really healthy group here. Everybody loves water in addition to that Coca-Cola that's uh, holding on from back in the day. And back in the day is kind of like what we're talking about today. Our subject is how are we communicating with our elders? And as we step into the role of elders, what is it that we're looking for from young people? Uh, What do we want from them? How do we want our voices heard? How do we want ourselves to be represented in the media? How do we want um, our stories to be told? So speak to a little bit about that. How, let, let's take that one question at a time. What does it feel like to be stepping into the role of an elder? With me, I'm Kamalina. I feel great because God allowed me to reach this age And I enjoy being around elderly people, and I enjoy talking to them. And right now, I come to the center 
just to sit down and, and talk to some of the people and listening to their childhood, because uh, some of the things that they can tell me that I didn't have that when I was coming up, uh, but we did have no plumbing uh, when I was born uh, back in the 50s because it was outdoors toilet. And I just thank God that we graduated from that. Yes, <laughs> but I, in, I just, the main thing, I just enjoy talking to elderly people because just sitting around talking to them, you can really learn a lot. Just uh, listening to them, uh, the, the type of jobs they did, kind of work that they did. Some people I talked to never finished school because they had to quit school to help with their family to go out in the field to work. But now we don't have to do that now. We have so many ways that we can go and just finish our education and teaching our young people that education is very, very important to us. And that's what I try to push with my younger children and also my younger siblings because I'm the oldest out of six. And even I sit and I talk with them and they really enjoy, you know, listen to some of the things that I have said. And I was a very hard worker. I used to work two jobs, uh, working in the nursing field, just helping out other people. And that's something I enjoy doing because I love talking to them. And nothing better than talking to elderly people. With the elderly people that you talk to, are they mostly here at the Sawika Council on Aging or also uh, in your family and neighborhood? It was in my family neighborhood, also some here, and just neighbors. Uh, Sometimes I can meet people if I'm sitting at the doctor's office, uh, and we just start having a conversation, and I enjoy that. And what are some of the things that you can remember, some of the lessons that you learned that, that come to mind right now? One of them, I took care of this man. He was 115. And just looking at him, you wouldn't have thought that he was that old. And I asked him a question. I said, how do you look so young when you were 15? He said, you know what? I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. He said, I went to church. I talked to God. And I didn't worry about nothing. And I told him, I said, if God allowed me to see those many years that you see today, I said, I hope I will be able to be just like you and, and still remain in good spirits. And he didn't have any children. He was married once, and his wife passed away after 30 years. And after that, he lived by himself. And he enjoyed talking to younger people. And we really learned a lot from him. And he also told me one thing. He said, he asked me was I was married. And at that time, I said, no. He said, if you do, he said, do not get a man that beat on you. And I said, thank you. He said, uh, you can see some signs. Mm. And I asked him, what are the signs? He said, one of them, jealousy. If you see that in a man, he said, you stay away from him. He says it's okay to have some jealousy, but when you have a person that has so much jealousy in them, they can hurt you. He said, try to stay away from those. And I said, yes, sir. I said, that's the same thing my father told me. Wow. And uh, one more question for you, uh, Ms. Kamalina, is how does it feel for yourself stepping into that role, and how are your relationships with younger people? Do you want to see more of them coming to you to get advice and to hear your stories? I feel great stepping into this role. Uh, I took care of my grandchildren for years, ever since I started having grandchildren. Um, I always took care of my even great-grandchildren. And they always ask me questions. You know, Grandma, did you have you ever smoked? I said, no. Did you used to go out and party? I said, every once in a while I did. And they asked me about dancing because they wanted me to dance with them. They'd sit around, and and sometimes I'd get out there and have a little fun with them. Um, And then one of the other ones asked me, 
what about have I ever did gymnastics? And I said, yes. (laughs) So my granddaughter asked me, can I help her? And I did. But now uh, I had two knee replacements. So when my granddaughter was here, my great-granddaughter, they was here for like two weeks. She wanted me to go outside with her and do some flips. And I said, no, baby, I can't do that no more now. But, and um, you know, and she's still doing it. She really enjoyed it. She said, Grandma, I'm so glad that you helped me with this. And also you allowed me to, to do gymnastics. She said, you want me to continue? I said, as long as you can. That's beautiful. So that, that to me sounds like you're having a really rich set of relationships, uh, interactions with your family, and that uh, you're feeling that, that sense of being acknowledged and appreciated. Yes, I do. Uh, even my younger brother, he just turned 52, he always looked at me as his second mother. Because when my mother and father, when they working, my mother drove school bus for years. Uh, then I was the one. I had to step in to be, and to him, I was his mom. And my baby sister felt the same way. Getting up, getting them ready for school, and uh, taking them to the babysitter and go back and pick them up. So sometimes my baby brother, uh, even with his friends, he introduced me as his big mama. That's beautiful. So, Miss Peggy, tell me about how you feel about stepping into this role of eldership. I'm Peggy, and I feel great about stepping into this role as an elder lady. Uh, but one thing I pray for and wish for is that the younger generation would have more understanding and knowledge of when I do speak, you know, it's coming from the heart, and it means a lot. I'm not going to say anything wrong, which I'm just considering my children and my grandkids. I'm talking to them on that level so they can understand. And when I say it, you know, I'm telling you something from experience or something that I know or something that I have witnessed, you know, to be more compassionate, you know, for people. You know, because us elder people do have stimulus situation going on, and they need to learn to respect our situation and our knowledge, what we're telling them, not just telling them something to be saying something like a friend, but, you know, telling them something that's going to benefit them. So basically, my kids will, except one, they will listen, <laughs> you know, they will. And I feel great about it because I know, and like now I just lead by example so they see you know, I don't have to speak much to them. I just let my action show them now. I'm not young no more, so whatever I say now, you know, I mean it, and it's the truth. And what about, do you, do you also spend time with elders older than yourself? Well, yes, yes, I do. My friends, well, my friends and my sisters, they are all older than me, and I spend a lot of time with them. And I also, I don't only have a passion for the elderly, I have a passion for the drug addicts and the alcoholic, you know, it just touched my soul if you mistreat those people because it's an issue they're going through. It's just not something they just want to do. So I have a tender spot for them. And if I see one, I'm going to recognize them and, you know, I'm not going to condole them with what they do or how they're doing it. But I definitely have a compassion for them. And if I can lend a hand to them, I am definitely will. They are priorities to me. Because I worked at, besides, I worked at a restaurant downtown called Jimmy Hot Dog, and I worked there for years. Besides, I always had two jobs, too, for years, and I could see the homeless, how they would ask for money and stuff like this. And sometimes it was okay to give. Sometimes it wasn't okay to give because I knew what they wanted. But I just have a passion for them, and yeah, I just have a passion for those people. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful, too, to have that. You know, it's like, where do you connect? With the community, where is your personal service and your personal contribution? Everybody has one. Not everybody is necessarily going to be sitting at the feet of the elders or coming to, to attend to them. We need to make sure we have enough people who are doing that. But also, uh, as you grow older, being able to express who you are and continue to give that life, I think that's an important part of growing older as well. So thank you for that. I'm Mira Ann, and 
I love sitting around elders people. When I was growing up, I was raised by my sister. I had to cook, clean, get everyone ready for school before I went to school. And that was a lesson for me to learn how to take care of other people as I was helping take care of my sisters and brothers and nieces and nephews. And I thank God that he allowed me and gave me the strength to do all that. And as I got older, got an education, I went into the nursing field, but didn't make it. But that was okay because I couldn't take all that blood. But looking at my life now, I could have made it because with what I do with my life now, by the grace of God, I've seen by my brother's. And I just had one pass, and God allowed me to deal with them. So I, they was elders, they was older than me. So those were my children. And in the field of working in the school system, I met a lot of people. And some of my coworkers was younger than me, looked up to me. And some started calling me their other mom. And that. At first, I said, I ain't nobody, Mama. Then I got to thinking about it. And once you pray over it, and God will give you understanding, you are someone looking up to you because you're showing them a role that they don't have. So it's good with me being the age that I am stepping into a senior citizen, someone to look up to me and respect me as you respect them they're going to respect you. But if you don't respect them, they're not going to give you respect. So I, I definitely don't like disobedient children. And a lot of them would look at me and say, you mean. But it wouldn't, I mean, I just mean what I say. Because I'm going to speak my mind, and it's, it's going to stand. Because I don't have the fear in me, because God didn't give me no spirit of fear. So... I don't mind sharing what I learned as a young girl sitting on the elder people's. I share it, some listen, some don't, but at least I put it out there. And now at the age of 64, I still sit around elders people's to learn more because what they say, if you get them thinking about it, it's come to pass because what they told me back then and when it's happening and now, I go, I was told this. Can you give us some examples of some of those experiences of calling back something that you had been told before? Um, a young uh, elder lady told me about I was sitting with them and she had a granddaughter and she had a friend. And that lady told me, you got friends and your dating age, be careful because so-called friends and a friend, you got to have a true friend. Because in that way, what she told me, a young man come up, and both of you are interested in young, one young man, but that's two. Both of you are interested in one of them, the other one got to pick one or the other one, or you got to pick one or the other one. So be careful because both of the people, was the girl, ladies was interested in one man, and every time... The girl got ready to go. She always wanted to take her friend because she was being naive. But in the long run, her and the guy got married, but she still wanted to be with her friend, bring her friend over. And say the next thing she knew, <laughs> the friend was with the husband. And so when that old lady told me that story, I'm going, wow. But then as she told me that story, Later on down the years, I met the people she had talked about, and I went, so this came to pass. So I keep that in mind when I'm dealing with peoples. My personal business is my personal business, and what I give you to try to help you along the way, you could take it or you could leave it. Because always keep your friend close, but keep your enemy closer because the enemy is not the one going to hurt you. It's the friend that you think you got is the one going to hurt you. So you keep your business to yourself. And every time I see some of that situation going on, 
that bring back that old lady that told me that story. And I look at life that way. Well, I'm going to have to go around the room and find out if everybody feels like you have to be, you keep all your business to yourself. Well, what's a friend for if you can't tell your friend your business, you know, at least some of your business? You could tell your friend some of your business, but you got to make sure you know that friend is there's a true friend. Because as you say, okay, you my friend, and I tell you something, you my best friend, but then you got a best friend. So she going to tell her best friend. So you got to know who are your friends, because what I tell you should be between me, you, and the Lord. That don't mean you go run and tell that friend, because these stuff could go around. I tell you something, you tell that, and she going to tell her best friend, then it's going to get right back to me. So it ain't going to be right. So you got to know exactly who your best friend is. So mainly my really best friend is God, Jesus Christ. So I know I give my to him, but I treat you. You my friend. I'm going to respect you. I give you the shirt off my back. But once you stab me in my back, I still be your friend, but I'm not going to trust you like I used to trust you. So you have to have God in your heart to know exactly who your friend really is. You know, I think that saying that keep your enemies closer and it's only your friends who can hurt you, it's because the only friends have can hurt you because that's where the trust is. You know, you, you, you're not going to be hurt and upset because of what your enemy does because you know who that is. That's right. It's the deception that hurts. That's right, the deception. And you told me, uh, you told all of us that you are not, you've not been married and you also don't have children. Was that a choice? No, I always wanted two kids, a girl and a boy. But I learned as a child I had problems. And so later on as I grew up and I started getting sick and with that problem that I had as a child, that affected me having children at this age. So I said, since I don't have any, I used to be upset. And my aunt told me that it was okay that you don't have any kids. She told me it's wrong in my family that some of my aunts didn't have kids. And I'm the, the aunts that I knew had children. Then she explained to me, them not her kids. Biologically, she married a, a guy, had kids. So those was her stepkids. So... After she explained that to me, that made me feel a lot better because everybody in my family had children except me, and I kept, felt kind of down. But then I realized those are my kids, my nieces and nephews. They, I'm second mom to them, too, because as they need, mom can't get, they know how to call auntie. And if auntie tell them, if you can, she'll do it. If she can't, she tell them point blank. And that's the way you have to be is you honest with them. Don't lie, say I do it, and you don't do it because that's going to keep them from respecting you. So out of respect, if you can't do it, you just let them know you can't do it. And you have to let them know money don't grow on trees. You have to earn the trust. You have to find a job, you get an education to get what you need in the, this world. Because our Heavenly Father supply everything, but he give us common sense. So we got to have an education to get it. So sitting around elders people and them telling me different stories about their life and how they had to work to do whatever and how they got along, that made me want to get an education so I could get a job and so I could survive. And since I did that, it's come down to I supply my nieces, nephew, really anybody that I could help. I got classmates, children there. And if I could help them, I help them. So I thank God I'm able to do that. And we thank you, too, as a community, because earlier this season I spoke with 
a gentleman out of Philadelphia whose name is uh, Nana Kofi Tuta. He has been traveling back and forth from the United States to Ghana for about 35 years and was able to make that spiritual connection with his ancestry. His spiritual connection is with the Akan people in Ghana. And one of the things that we talk about in terms of traditional African society is the role of elders and the role of the whole community as being parents to all the children. And so you are exemplifying that in your life. Everybody here is showing that the tradition of eldership and sitting at the feet of the elders is still alive, and that feels really, really great. And so we want to make sure that we continue to get that message across and that whatever the medium is, you know, as those of us in our, you know, 60s and 70s are probably more likely to be online than, say, our 80 and 90-year-old elders. But whatever medium we have to use to talk to each other, to stay in touch, to check on each other and all that, we will use. And I really love the fact that y'all use the 3D method of actually sitting down and talking with people. So... I'm not wrapping up, no. <laughs> Here. Oh, you're absolutely right. So next we're going to hear from Miss Mary Lee. How do you feel about stepping into the role of being an elder and uh, how you see young people relating to you? My name is Mary Lee, and first of all, I want to thank God for allowing me to become the age that I am. I do have some medical problems, but thank God, you know, they're all under control. I try to lead by example. I, I am the oldest of my sister and brothers. My sister has never been married. She doesn't have any children. And she get, well, in the past, she would kind of get kind of down because I have children my, one of my brothers has children, but no, two of my brothers have children. And she thought that maybe something was wrong with her and all, and I tried to explain to her. And my sister is one of those people that she would, would rather talk to me than to go to my our mom for some reason when we were growing up. And like I said, I had to be the role model for my brothers and sisters. And and our young people today, uh, they need more. We talk about the young people of today. Now, some of the things that these young people that are, they are doing today, we did some of the same things, but yet we look at them differently. You know, like as if we've never done any of these things. You have to talk to young people. Now, they aren't going to all listen to you, and we all know that. But... Lots of times they are listening, and you don't realize they are listening. Because as my children were growing up, and I was talking to them and telling them things, I have two children, I have a son and a daughter, uh, and I was thinking that they weren't listening. But over the years, they told me, Mom, I was listening to what you were saying. I may not have done it at that particular time, and I didn't act like I was listening at that particular time. But I could even tell now that some of the things that I was telling them, they were listening. Uh, my daughter is not married. She doesn't have any children. My son, he's the oldest. Uh, this is his second wife. Uh, and they don't have any children, so I don't have any grands. I haven't been, well, I have been around a lot of children, but personally, like nephews and all that, I haven't been able to be around a lot of children. I did, work, uh, as a nurse, I am, like I said, a retired, licensed practical nurse. I worked at Phoebe for 38 years, and the Best part about nursing to me is when you come, when a patient come in real sick, and then you are able to see them get up and, 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 and walk out of the hospital, or you know, improve so much. That is a really, really good feeling. <laughs> so, 
like I say, I try to lead by example. I know everything I do is, I don't see it's the right way, but, you know, we have we do things our way sometimes, and it, just different people do different things different ways. And I don't criticize you for the way you do what you do, or maybe I'm being criticized for what I do, but I love being around people. The reason I went into nursing my brother, the one that passed away, was a diabetic. Years passed when he was first diagnosed with diabetes. The doctor told my mom at that particular time they were given insulin, that she had to give him his shot. She said she couldn't do it. She just could not stick him. I was about, what, 14 years old at that time, so I told my mom I would do it. So that was one of the reasons I went into nursing, and I have enjoyed it. I still enjoy doing things. I don't do a lot of volunteering. Maybe I should do more, but I don't do a lot of volunteering. But if there's anything I can do for anybody, I will do it gladly. <laughs> That's wonderful. What, how is the neighborhood life for everybody? I know a lot of times everybody mentioned that young folks are scattered all over the country. Um, I know my family, we have uh, people up and down the East Coast. None of my immediate family is, is further west than the Mississippi River. Everybody's on the East Coast. But how do, you, how do you think that we can bring our families together, and how do we deal with that, that fact of people being scattered all over the country? Um, just bringing our family together is by staying in touch with one another. That's one of the most important things, to staying in touch. Even when I was in Texas, and I didn't have any siblings there. Uh, I'm the oldest out of six, and my uh, siblings were still in Florida. Uh, and it was kind of hard just talking to them on the phone, and sometime after I get off the phone with them, I, I used to share tears because uh, wishing that my sister was there and I remember how close we was coming up, even though I was older than they are. But then I didn't have any sister there, but then I had a few co-workers. Two of them used to call me their sister. And so I looked at it and I said, you know, yes, because I don't have any sisters here. And they treated me just like I was part of the family. Uh, even if they had something going on to their house and they had their friends, they always used to invite me um, and my grandchildren because um, I had three grandchildren that I was raising at that time. And they all finished school, and I pushed those boys. Um, they played football. I was there at every practice on Saturday mornings. I used to get them up, and I'd be out there on the field with them. We ran track. And I did it. I, I really pushed them. I said, this is very important. Graduate, I said, but your education first. I love that you are playing sports. And I stayed there with them through every game. I was there when they went out of town. I was there. I was there every practice with them. And they just didn't like it when 6 o'clock on Saturday mornings, they wanted to stay in the bed. I said, no, we're going out there on the field. Wow. And I enjoy that. And I love to see young people um, making a career out of their life, and especially young people opening up their own business. And that's what I try to push into my grandchildren. I have uh, two grandsons still in college now, one running track and the other one still playing football. And I enjoy I really, really enjoy that. That's wonderful. And how about your your uh, neighborhood? Is your neighborhood composed of people that you know and that you interact with, or are the people that you interact with somewhere else? Is your community the same as your neighborhood? Well, my community here, um, I only was able to meet three of my uh, neighbors. If they see me out in the yard, or either if I see them in the yard, I would go over to them. And we would stand there and have conversations like we've known each other for years. 
uh, that's the way it was when I was living in Texas. And me and uh, my neighbor, we were sitting out by the pool, and something came up about birthdays. And she asked me, when was my birthday? I said, January 25th. She said, are you serious? And I said, yes. I said, why? My birthday, January 25th. Oh, wow. And come to find we was born the same year. Wow. Uh, and we, we sit in there. I said, well, we're twins. <laughs> and we laugh about it. And so after that, so we had three birthdays before I left there. And we start getting each other something for the birthdays because I didn't have any family there. She didn't either. And then I went to work. One of my residents, her daughter, when I said it was my birthday, she looked at me and I said, no. I said, don't tell me. She said, my birthday, January 25th also. And we was born to say, I said, you know what? I said, my neighbor. I said, we have another sister. (laughs) And I said, so we triplets, you know. (laughs) And I I called my mom and I was telling my mom about it. And I said, you know, I met two of my sisters. She said, what you mean, two of your sisters? She said, your father don't have any more children, you know, just y'all sick. I said, well, I met my neighbor. We was born the same day, same year. And and my uh, resident, her daughter, she come there often to see her mother. And now every time she comes, she always greet me with the hug. She said, hey, sis, how you doing today? I said, I'm great. And then she dipped in and started buying. She buy both of us a, a gift. She said, make sure you take this one home and give it to our other sister. And I said, okay. So, I mean, and we laugh about it. And I really enjoyed that, that little short moment that I met them. And we start calling each other sis. But one of them, two of them was Caucasian. But we had a wonderful time, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy that. And I like going out, sitting with my neighbor. So where I'm at now, I have a neighbor live next door. I don't see her that often, but when I do see her, me and her stand out by out there in the yard, and we can talk for hours, you know, talking about our children, and and I enjoy that, you know. And I say, you know what? I love children. I say, I always wanted six children because mm-hmm. my parents have six. I said, but God didn't see fit for that because I always grabbing everybody else's kids, <laughs> taking care of them. Like uh, my nieces and nephew, I raised three of them. And other children I have taken in. I said, maybe I need to be a foster mom. But I never got in that robe. I was just still bringing them in. Mm-hmm. And right now today, if I see a, see a child, I just want them to take them home with me sometime. Wow. <laughs> and that's just how I am. And my sister get at me all the time, and she said, you not, you ain't tired of children yet? <laughs> I said, no. She said, now you're children grown. It's the time for you to just start living your own life, and you're just taking in everybody's kid. You got grandchildren, and you're still bringing everybody's kid. <laughs> I said, well, I just love children. That's just me. I can't help it. So you are living your life yes. because you're living your passion. So what about you? What, how's your neighborhood? Do you do you get to uh, uh, hang out with your neighbors or spend time with your neighbors? I'll, I'll put it that way. Or is your community composed of the people in your church and in your family who are not necessarily on your street? Well, my neighborhood is my community because I live in a, well, it's just a, well, in my block. I'm going to say the block that I live in is only senior citizen, 60 or over. So I interact with them when I do see them. They elders, so they very seldom come out. But in passing, you know, like my next door neighbors, we always speak, uh, hold a conversation if it's not too hot outside or not too cold. And then mostly in the church, I'm still ushering in spite of my disability. So I interact with a lot of them in my church. And for as my kids, and when you was mentioning about the um, family distant away the best thing that ever could have happened was the social media. And when uh, I have two twins, grandkid daughters in Arizona, they five, and the only way I could, what they learned me was through that 
FaceTime or however you call that. So that was a good thing how I stayed in touch with them. And a matter of fact, all of them, I just only have one daughter here. And my three sons is in, in Atlanta. So that FaceTime and that social media, that keep me in touch with them. And then I travel. Despite like now, this disability, I still travel a lot to them, you know, on a regular basis to see with them. But the neighborhood is it's fine in spite of what I'm going through now because I visit my sister a lot. She don't want to do, you know, have the big cookouts and stuff like that. And I come to the center because that's another good thing. I get to eat dinner with my sister every day. I get to see her every day I come to the center because she worked downstairs. And my I have two sisters. Well, they, we are very close, so we, we on the phone every day. We don't skip two or three days without talking, uh, two or three days without seeing each other. But most of the community, I don't travel that far now, you know, but at home in that little section where I live at, we all first name basic. We all going to speak. Then if they got little kids, they come down there, but I'm not like Sister Lynn. <laughs> I'm going to give them a treat. They got to come back at the door. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, they got to go on that though. But the elderly, now nah, I, I can relate. I love them. I can relate to them. I can talk to them all day long, but the, the little ones, they can, I can't do them too well. <laughs> Good thing we have somebody for everybody. So what about you, Miss um, Mary? Um, my community is of my church, my neighborhood, Really, everybody I see, <laughs> because I'm friendly, mm -hmm. and I don't mind talking with peoples, mm -hmm. peoples I don't know. I could just be standing up and we bring up a conversation, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in my community is to come together and to know what's going on in your community, and you cry to cut and be so much crime going on, breaking in and different things. So when we come together with our com in my community, and we like do a neighborhood watch, and we, it's good. Back in the day when I was growing up, the neighborhood, whoever's grown, say something to you. You respect what they said. They could whoop you. And as you get back to home, you're going to get another whooping. But now, in this life, you say anything, you see a child doing something they ain't got no business, be careful. Because you just say, baby, no, that's a no-no. And that's all you got to say. But then they run back and tell their parents, it's like they'll say it's so-and-so. So, so you got to be careful how to deal with children in your neighborhood. So like now as you get to meet your neighbors, sometimes where I was living, I had neighbors, only time I saw them was when the cat got come out the door and got in the car and left. And that was it. And then something happened, then why you didn't say, well, baby, every time I holler, hey, you didn't say nothing. I said, but then something happened, then you want to say. But I was glad. I was being the neighborhood watch community because I saw what happened and I could let people know what was going on. Because when I was home, recuperating from, I had both of my knees done. So that makes good, the community. And when you could see some kids doing something and you could go to their parents and tell them, because like I said, the kids will say something they ain't got no business. But it's the parents respectable of you, you could go tell the parents, your, I saw your child do so-and-so and so. And they know you ain't going to tell no tell on their children. Then that's what makes your community, that you could watch other folks' kids and what you say to them. You can't just go holler at them. You got to be treat them with kindness. As you treat them with kindness, they going to respect you. But if you don't treat them with kindness, you don't get no respect. And like with what happened, well, my neighbors, they missed me. I was, after my brother passed, because they didn't see me. 
But I wasn't riding in my car. I was riding with my sister. And so they got worried. So they went to the landlord. I asked him, what happened to my neighbor? Because I haven't seen her. I haven't seen the car move. I haven't seen. And so she had to explain to him that she had death in the family and her car might be in the front park, but she's moving around about someone is carrying her around. So that when she told me that that made yeah that felt good because people my neighbors I see them we speak Mm -hmm. but for them to be that concerned that just show you okay I say wow what I do do count Mm -hmm. because I walk and I see hey how y'all doing but we don't have to stand up and have a conversation but as you keep speaking. To people, people get used to you. So you get to know your community. So like now when we have things in the community and everybody come out, so we know who's who. So we try to keep down our crowd. So I said, I wish it could get back to like it was back in the day. But I know it won't get there without prayer. So we got to keep praying. So my community, my church, all of them, that's my community. That's my neighborhood. Because okay. everybody is your neighbor. Yes. So when you say, who is my neighbor? Yes. That's everybody. So I enjoy my neighborhood. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great example. That's exactly um, what we want. You know, that kind of concern and care about each other. And, and somebody to know, you know, feel like, like you're really at home. And I have to confess that I'm an in-the-house girl. I can stay in the house for days and weeks. <laughs> I say, I'm off today because I take care of my mom during the week, and I say, Saturday's my day to rest. And they'll call me and want to know if you want to ride to the flea market. I say, I'm at the flea market right now on my chair. <laughs> And so, you know, I really have to, and then, I, then I'll get into working. Like, for these past two days, I've, two days in a row, I went to sleep at 4.30 and got up at, one day I got up at 6.30, and today I got up at 7. And because I was, I was working, so I'll get into working and get into moving fast, and that's what some of the people here at this week have said to me. Like, I tried to say something to you, but you were moving so fast, I couldn't. And so for me, it's about making sure I, I take that time, like making that be a part of my life. My grandmother, every day, she never rushed. She never rushed, but her house was spotless, spotless. Okay, she 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 ironed my granddad's shirts. They no cleaners could make that look like that. And her iron was that real iron that sat on top of that uh, cold stove. And uh, she ironed those shirts. But every day, every day, she sat on the porch. She had herself organized to the point where she took care of what she had to do. She eased through her life. And had time to sit out, garden, and and commune with the neighbors. I haven't figured that out. I have not figured that out. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so for me, it's a it's a real study and being able to take that time to spend time with the elders and with the children, or you know, wherever your passion is, to outside of the house with others, with our neighbor, and really be, you know, that neighbor who's helping to make a difference. So, how about you? In, in my neighborhood, it is very quiet. I very seldom see any of my neighbors. But what happened was, I was living at my sister's house uh, in a, on a different part of town for about 10 years because I had gone over there to help take care of my brother until he passed. But for the last... Uh, four months we've been living at my house on a different side of town. Uh, We knew our neighbors a little bit better when I was living at my sister's house. Where we are now, you don't ever see any children. You don't ever see any 
I just don't see anybody. Even when you go outside, you see cars parked in the driveways, but you just don't see anybody. And I had decided one day, I haven't done it yet, that I was just going over there and maybe knock on the door and introduce myself. But I haven't done it yet. So, like I say, it's a quiet neighborhood. Now, the young man that lives next door to me, I know his name. His father passed about two years ago. I knew him. The neighbor on the right of me, he passed away. And like I say, the people all around me, I just don't know them. And that's not, I don't think that's a good, you know, maybe I should be the one, like I said, to go over and introduce myself because none of them had come over, you know. So it's just a quiet neighborhood. And I'm sorry to say, I just don't know my neighbors. So your community of people that, that you actually commune with are somewhere else. Right. Like my church, uh, uh, well, basically my church people, uh, mostly the ones that I communicate with. I'm not a very talkative person. I'm not a real <laughs> outgoing person. I consider myself as being a friendly person, but I'm not one of those people that that just can go up to somebody and maybe start a conversation. That's just not me. And, you know, people are different. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, yes, now that's one of my, my dreams, really, to, to be that person, to have that kind of neighborhood, kind of like the one that I grew up in. Um, uh, who's from Albany? Well, we are, we are all, all, all we are from, for, well, except for Carmelina, uh, correct? She only only nine months, but everybody has seen the way um, the projects that were built in the 1950s that have like you have the U uh -huh. houses on yes. one side and then there's a U on the other side. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that construction. I, I think that it it really helps to build community. You you get to you really get to see your neighbors. Um, I, grew I grew up in. Uh, Washington Home Project, it's, it's gone away now, but and that was the neighborhood, yeah. and the kids go out, you had playground in the front, mm -hmm. and you go out and play, but they ain't had to worry about me playing because <laughs> as I saw, the, and the elder people sit on their porch and watch the kids, yes. but me, I left the kids, I went straight to them elder folks and sit there and listen to them talk oh. and watch the kids, so... That's the neighborhood we wish we could have back now. We that's that's the neighborhood of our dreams, and I'm gonna have to ask y'all who sit and and at the feet of the elders to tell me what they told you, so we can put some of that wisdom down. Write your book, tell your story, and by the way, what would be the title of the story of your life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 The struggle is real. The struggle is real. Well, I'm just saying, my latter years, growing up was great because I had both parents, but from, I mean, I guess I thought my mom passed, that was devastating. I was like in the 10th grade, so that was, it just went downhill after that because I felt like it was. I had something to do with it, you know, because she told me to go to this, asked me to go to the store for her and get a good, and I was playing basketball for Monroe, and I was from Dawson, so we was going to play Dawson that that Saturday. And so that Friday night, whoever team we played, I didn't get home until 11. She said, you would never go to another basketball game as long as I live. And believe me, I didn't go to another one until my grandson was playing little league basketball, you know. So I felt I carried that guilt a long time that I, I caused her because I took my time walking to the store to get that good for her. When I come back, my dad had, I got in the hospital before my dad did. He was getting off from work at 3. And when I got back in the room, you know, she collapsed. And it felt like it was like uh, you did that because you should have went to the store. And it took me a lot. Matter of fact, it took me years, I'm going to tell maybe until 2012, 13, to actually realize when God finally spoke to me and said, no, I did that because I didn't want you in the house with her 
alone. You know, it took me for years to you know overcome that, mm-hmm. to overcome that fear and that guilt dealing with that grief from her. So that's why I said that struggle was real till I got to accept to realize that God say that wasn't my fault. You know, that was his time and not mine. Mm, that's that's uh, a big part of grief, and we are that's part of what we're talking about this season. We didn't go into that today, so maybe we can come back and, and go into that a little bit more with you okay. a little bit further. I know that the there's a grief share program at... Um, the not Second Mount Olive, um, Church, River Road Church of Christ oh, okay. has a program called Grief Share, and you, it, it's good. I went, I I attended it, and I found it it really helped me um, to come to grips with with um, my mother's death, and uh, and be able to like just really uh, move forward. So yeah, we'll be talking some more about all of that later on, and I can um, I appreciate that. And it was such a big experience that you can name your whole life around that, and that's uh, that's powerful. What about you, Carmeline? What's the story? What's the title of the story of your life? I guess it would be Big Mama. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, like I said, I'm the oldest out of six children. Uh, When my parents was working, I had to take care of them. And so that put a lot of responsibility on me, taking care of children. And seemed like taking care of my siblings, I should have not want to just grab hold to other kids. (laughs) But uh, I think Big Mama probably would have been entitled for me and just carrying that load that I carried for a long time. And then when I started having my own children, um, I still brought in other children. Even when my children were small, I still had a niece and a nephew there that I raised along with my children. And right now today, instead of them calling me auntie, they call me mom. Wow. And I love that. I really don't have a title for mine because, well, yet, because I know struggle. What's that? I struggle. Struggle. Because at the age of 10, I came to Albany with my sister, and we lived on plantation. And most of the time, I was home. I didn't work in the field. I was the person home seeing about the younger kids and keeping house. So really that's what made me more communicating with children, but I just didn't like disobedient children. Mm-hmm. So after we we moved uh, in, I think it was 60, 67, where well, we moved to Washington Home Project after my brother-in-law died, my sister's husband, and I was still home cooking, cleaning. We, I had to do that before I went to school. That house had to be sparkling. Food had to be cooked. And everybody off to school. When I came home from school, I had to cook, make sure everybody doing their homework. I had to do my own. And then whatever choice I had to do, I had to do them. And then when I did get a break, and go outside. I headed to the elder people so I could learn. So I really don't know what Tyler to use for that because that's what I learned how to do. What about home life? How does that sound? Yeah. That's home life. <laughs> that that is it. Home life. That's real good. I didn't have no kids, but I raised kids mm-hmm. from the time you from the time I was a child. So. Looking back at it, that's why my nieces and nephews now really come to me because my sister used to say, my kids come to your house, they love coming because I would sit down and I'll, whatever game they want to play, I played. They wanted to watch cartoon, I sit right there and watch cartoon <laughs> right long with them. And so I, home life is a good name. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, you know what? 
all this just shows that, um, you know, the the young lady that I interviewed and I was talking about, she was talking about how she sat at the feet of elders and all that. One of the main things that she wanted uh, to communicate is that every life is important. Every life is special. And when we just like just just peel a little bit back away from the the just the how you doing and and get a little bit more we find out the the wealth you know that is in each and every person that we meet and so these stories that y'all have shared with us today are special and precious and unique every one of them is just so unique and it's it's good to communicate the fact that every life is a real live drama, a real story, you know, that if we read it, we're going to learn so much about each other. So we're glad that um, we, we're getting ready to wrap it up, but we definitely wanted to get yours. You comfortable right now? Okay now. It's almost uh, lunchtime. It's 1143, so we're definitely going to go ahead and wrap it up. So, But we do want to find out the, the title of the story of your life. Mm, let me think what my my title would be. Mm, take care of yourself. Do everything possible that you possibly can to take care of yourself. <laughs> Don't be doing things that you know is going to harm you or your body. That is one of basically things. I can't think of anything else just to take care of myself. <laughs> that's that's excellent. That's number one. That's how can you take care of anybody else if you don't take care of yourself? So thank you, thank you one and all for for sharing so much and for this time of communion. It felt good. Yes. It felt, you know, just, just going a little bit beneath the surface and finding out who we are and sharing makes such a difference. And, and I'm definitely inspired. I'm going to do that door-to-door thing, too. And I've been kind of saying that to myself, too. Uh, I do know pretty much my neighbors' names, but not enough. Not enough. There's not enough communion, communing, and and I have to live the life now that is the life of my dreams. So again, thank you everybody for sharing, and that is it for today's edition of Blood and Spirit. That's what it's about. Y'all have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it.